All right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are P.S. This is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast, and this is episode 274. This is a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. YouTube.com slash P.S. This is Awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Saw, or Jake Peters at Jakesaw01. Got ahead of myself. As always, you can write the show at P.S. This is Awesome at gmail.com like Sean Roberts surprisingly did recently. And most importantly, don't forget to share this show with your friends and be sure to leave comments and rate the podcast as you see fit this is also a video podcast so if you want you can watch this podcast on our youtube channel and lastly for new and or longtime listeners we now have a patreon you can support our show at a one dollar level the patreon tier is called the one and only one dollar club Head over to www.patreon.com slash PS This Is Awesome, and you too can become a $1 patron, get a free die cut vinyl sticker in the mail, and a shout out on our show. With that out of the way, Jake, how are you doing this Sunday morning? Uh, um, well, I burned myself on my coffee, and I made like there's something something that I really want to be awesome, but I'm really having trouble finding is like microwavable breakfast sandwiches. Yes, yes, they're always so, bad. So like, like I want something that I don't have to make it. I can just throw it in the microwave and I can eat it. And it, it doesn't have to be like, it, like as good as a home cooked breakfast sandwich. I just want it to be like acceptable. Yeah, and they're getting better. But I made one this morning. I bought it, and I bought like a box of them. And it's like a English muffin with uh, egg and cheese and sausage. I'm like, okay. So I make it. Sounds fun. Follow yeah. the in- follow the instructions exactly. And the problem is, you know how like bread sometimes when you microwave it, it gets fucking hard. It either gets hard or it gets really soggy. Yeah. So. What the problem was is that 70% of this sandwich all around the outside was perfect. It was actually really good. But in the center, the English muffin was hard. So when I would bite into it, I couldn't bite through it. And all the shit just shot out the back of it, like all over my hands. And I have to like tear it off with my teeth. I'm like... Can I just please buy a fucking microwavable breakfast sandwich for five five dollars and think it's like good yeah i mean i don't know i don't know it's a it's a first world problem for sure but but a problem uh, no less it is a problem other than that doing okay how about yourself yeah i'm doing well uh i i've had an interesting I've, i've really well let me just start off uh by saying I've really been enjoying Pirates baseball. Um, I know Jake, you don't follow it. I think you talk very because they're winning. Very <laughs> condescendingly about baseball in general. Uh, it's not a real sport. I've heard you say such I didn't, things. I've never once said that. I just said I find it boring. That's all. <laughs> so, uh, quick, quick, uh, heartfelt tale that happened in the Bucko organization recently. That's really warmed my heart, and and I find somewhat relatable. 
is uh, well, two things. Number one, the Pirates are second in all of Major League Baseball right now. They they are the first team in the MLB to hit 20, 20 wins, um, but because they had a doubleheader yesterday, so they played the Washington Nationals, and uh, these guys scored twenty two runs in one day between two games. Like these guys are just on fire. Their pitcher, their pitching is going amazing. They're a bunch of hard working. Ball players playing really good small ball, aggressive on the bags, um, you know, just position hitting. Like, it's really, really fun to watch them right now. And it is because they're winning, of course. That's a big part of it for me. But all of Major League Baseball has been turned on its head watching the Pirates right now. There's really something special about the team. So I've been a longtime Pirates fan. And uh, if you dial way back to some of our first podcasts 10 years ago, I'm sure you'll see me wearing a pirate hat. I you know, this is one of the few years I've been able to wear this hat and not feel like people are judging me for wearing the hat because it's that they're actually doing well. Like they have a neighbor who always wants to ask me, ah, what do you think about the Buckos? You think they got a shot this year, the breaking 500? And it's like, you know, this was like before the preseason. Like, yeah, we'll see. You know, they always start off good, but you know, it, it's just the tale of the Pirates. It's like they, they, they sound like they, they just usually don't have the endurance. And that still may be true. With the current team, but time will tell. But they're really good. But the the heartwarming story is there's this – it's making its rounds. It's been on all the news outlets. There's this guy, um, this ball player named named Andrew Maggi. Uh, everyone calls him Drew, Drew Maggi. And uh, he has been playing minor league baseball for 13 years. He has over like 1,200 baseball games under his belt in the in the minor league. He's watched his buddies get called up. He's watched, you know – People he's played against get called up. He's watched all these. He's 33 years old, which is not a spring chicken in baseball. He's 33, and he's just kept fucking playing minor league ball. And people on the field call him grandpa and coach, and they, like his teammates give him a hard time. Uh, he he is on, he, you know, uh, he plays for the Altoona Curve, so he's in the Pirates organization. But the interesting thing is, is that this guy – at one point in his career was in, with the Minnesota Twins organization. He got called up, and he sat in the dugout for two games, and they sent him back down. So these ballplayers exist. They, they, they show up on major league stats, but they have nothing to show. They're called phantom ballplayers, like phantom baseball players. Most of them give up. Uh, this guy has been doing it for almost 1,200 games playing minor league just waiting for the fucking call again like they did an interview with him he uh you know these minor league ball players get paid like forty thousand dollars a year like they don't make good great it's good money but it's not great money like if you want to have a real career in life and have like be set when you're ready to die like minor league ball ain't the way to do it so at a certain point most of these guys are like well it ain't, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna happen for me and they just find something else they go you know use your degree or whatever drew Maggi stuck with it 13 years <laughs> and uh he he gets called up to the big leagues uh for a second time first with the twins recently with the pirates you know and and he's got the bucko form uh uniform on and and everyone's just like, are they going to play this guy? Are they going to fucking play this guy? Uh, the first game he got called up in, they didn't play him. And he's just in the fucking dugout. And you can see, like, he's just fucking chomping to get on the field. 13 years, the tenacity. Uh, and then he gets he gets put on the field, uh, plays third. Uh, he strikes out. Um, 
kind of sucks. But uh, and then they option him back to the minors, which means he's going back. They have the double header yesterday. He hasn't technically been sent back. He's still on the roster. Pirates in their second. He doesn't play the first game. The second game, Pirates on their second game take like a 12-0 lead or some some shit. Like 8-0 lead or something. And they're like, fucking put Mad- Maggi in the d- d- pinch hit. So he comes out and like, he he's had like all kinds of news channels following him, right? Because like his story is like a Rudy story. Like it's fucking incredible that he stuck this out. Like he's like bartended. He's done all kinds of shit just to get by. Still chasing his fucking dream. And now... He gets his last chance. He fucking cranks a single straight down. They were in Washington in the stands erupted for him. And he's just cheesing. Like, he is so happy. He finally has a major league stat after 13 years of fucking hoping this is going to happen to him. And, like, it's like the most warming moment in the world. And then, needless to say, uh, he doesn't get to cross home. Some other guy strikes out. Something happens. But, like, that's it. And then it's like... They're doing so well, they work around their batting order again, like the next two innings, and and they play him on the field. They put him in third, so now he gets another chance to bat. He fucking rips a double. So it's a fucking double. And then the next guy hits a homer, and he gets to cross home, and he actually he scores in a big league game. And now he's back fucking playing. He didn't go back to like triple A. I think he went back to double A. They sent him down even another. So he went down, down. And it's just like, dude, it's so competitive. But like, what a fucking heartwarming story. And the reason I say that I can kind of relate to that. My goal uh, growing up has always been to get like a record deal. I wanted to have one. And then we finally fucking got one with Single Home. And it was like that moment. It was like, you know, we were all in out of college uh, we had degrees. We were touring around, living in a fucking van, and then we get to find a fucking deal. And Sony put out a record, like not Sony, but they distributed it. We were on an indie label, but like as soon as that record came out, there was like some lawsuit. We weren't even involved in. We were just ancillary to it, and then we got dropped. Um, every band on the label we were on, to be clear, got dropped. It wasn't because we weren't performing well. It was because we weren't selling records. It was just as a condition of the lawsuit that was that was held. Our band lost lost out and uh, we had all these records just sitting on the store shelves but I look back and I'm like yeah I fucking signed a record deal I've done it and I'm like I'm fucking Drew Maggi <laughs> like in the music world <laughs> like you know I, I fucking but I'm still doing it but so I can just relate with, with, with how good that fucking feels to finally accomplish the one thing you set out to do and you put all this time and effort in it you know the odds are stacked against you it was just so heartwarming and I guarantee we see a fucking movie about this I guarantee because it's, it's absolutely astonishing um, and what's funny is is this is what took the highlight rather than the Pirates scoring 22 runs in a doubleheader against the Nationals, which is like the first time they've they've had like a 20-run win uh, lead or whatever uh, on an away game since like 75 or something. But everyone's just talking about Drew Maggi. So that is fucking awesome. Another really interesting, weird thing, Jake, I sent you a video. Did you have a chance to watch that video from my ring camera? No, I didn't see it. Okay, so just for the listeners and for you, it was one of the most awkward things that's ever happened. I'm sitting, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII in my living room. My ring camera alert goes off. It's like, and I look at it, and there's like fucking four or five people just standing out front of my house, drinking like beers and just looking at my house. I'm like, what's going on? And the lady go, lady goes, 
uh, talking to the group, and this is uh, where Fred Oakman lives. He's a he's a musician. He's he's a big deal. He's huge. He's huge. He plays out all the time, um, you know. And, and I think you know he, he he does more than just the local places. You know, he plays at the Edinburgh Lake Resort once in a while. And one of the guys with a beer kind of holds up, and goes, "Hey, Fred," and he's just talking to the house. And I'm like, what the fuck? Am I part of a house tour now? Like, this is the weirdest. You got to watch the video, dude. It is the weirdest thing. And that, I'll have to watch that. That's funny. And they just kind of walked on. And I was like, this is, has to either be – it's not a Meadville house tour. There's no way. But it either has to be um, a new neighbor being introduced to the other neighbors or a realtor who just sold a house in the neighborhood, like saying, here's who – but I never got that when I moved in. I didn't get a walk around the neighborhood and then point at houses and say who lives where and like call people out in their professions. It's fucking odd. It could just be that like that person lives nearby and they had like friends or family in town that aren't from there and they were just kind of walking around and giving them kind of the tour of the place. I'm saving the video because I literally felt like Stephen King for a hot minute. Like when people walk by his, his banger main mansion and they just look at it because it's got gargoyles and I'm sure people are like, yeah, this is where Stephen King lives. And I'm sure he's like up there like fucking just type it away and he's like, get the fuck away from my house. But like, I'm just like playing Final Fantasy 7 and like, this is where Fred Oakman lives. He's a really established, well, well-known musician. Um, he's huge. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, you know, in the meantime, because I'm getting my bathroom renovated, it's almost done. I've got these, like, I've got this uh, uh, path through the yard because the Amish guys just cut right through the yard to get to the wet saw. So now, like, I have to, like, reseed and fucking work on, like, this path. So, like, my house looks pretty decent from the front, but then there's, like, this, like, homemade path where these guys just keep going in and out of my house. And I'm like, eh, oh, well, who cares? If I'd have known uh, I was going to get shown off. On Friday or Saturday, whatever day it was, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Watch that video; it's so ridiculous. Um, with that out of the way, let me uh, just start, Jake. While I'm just starting this right here, I want to put the timestamps down on my sheet. And uh, can you, at some point during the show, come up with a closer for us? Because I did mm. not do that. But what I want to talk about now is games that we're playing. And uh, the interesting thing is, I'm still in Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm on Chapter 14, and it's absolutely awesome. I'm really enjoying this. I'm at a part where you have to go find side missions now before you go to the Shinra headquarters. And I feel like you got to find a couple of the Chocobos, and uh, you got to do a couple other things. There's something about Don, Don, whatever his last name is, um... Uh, Carlion or whatever instead of Corleone they call him something else it's like Don something Corneo Don Corneus or Corneo Corneo I think it's Corneo I think and you gotta find like the key for a a box and there's like some local person that's apparently so I'm on so you're in so you're in Walmart yeah yeah I'm in Walmart I did all of like the uh I did most of everything. I beat Don Cor- Corneo already. I did all that and went down to the – so I'm through that. But I'm at the tail end where like they kind of give you free reign of all the different sections, uh, the sectors. And then you're doing the final, I think, uh, list of, of uh, side missions. So I'm really liking this game. Um, I will say that. And uh, that's all I've, I've had time to play. Jake, what about you? Are you playing anything right now? Just, I mean, just like last week, I mean, I'm playing that game as well, and I'm in chapter eight or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
So I've made my way along in it. It's it's really good. I will say I did you had asked me a couple weeks ago about the the upgrading for the weapons. Yes. And uh so the first time I played it, I did all of that manually. Oh jeez. And this time <laughs> I just I'm just auto upgrading everything. Just because I don't want to think about it. Um but I'm still really enjoying it. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about it other than that. So you're doing a full playthrough? You weren't sure. Well, as of right now, I'm going to keep playing it because I'm still... Because it's a really good game, and I I haven't played it in three years, so I'm still kind of remembering and discovering things about it, but I'm not taking my time. I mean, I'm just kind of like running through things and... But I'm still doing a lot of the side missions and stuff like that. I don't know. There may get to be a point where I just kind of give up on some of the side content, but I like kind of want to do it. So it's not like I haven't had a thought about skipping it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be a point where I just drop it to easy and just plow through the game but so I don't have to grind or anything. But uh, there's 18 chapters... And I'm in chapter eight, so I'm a little under halfway done with the game. You're like three quarters of the way done, so you'll be probably done by the next, by show. next podcast, I would think. Yeah, if I can get the time um, in on it, I think I will be. But uh, yeah, it's it's good. I'm excited to get to the the Yuffie DLC, um, and I'll be all kinds of tuned up on the the way that the combat works by the time that I get to that point. I will say the the Airbuster fight was really fucking annoying. Yeah, it's a tough because one. The one thing that I don't like about JRPGs that I find really annoying is when you get in this like like constant fucking Phoenix down loop where a character goes down and you raise him up and then right before the fucking enemy attacks and they go down again so you raise him up and you use all again and you raise him up and it's like it's fucking it's really annoying the one thing i will say too is i i wish like on ranged enemies i wish i didn't have (laughs) to switch to like barrett for example Mm. like i don't mind controlling him but i wish that like the the they, they put you in situations where oh the enemy is is far away and it was like this in the original game too you could only do certain attacks with cloud or whatever while the enemy was in a certain position where you couldn't reach it mm-hmm. but like I don't know I I don't know that, that that's not really a, a hang up for me but there's just some characters that are are less fun to play during combat and Barrett's one of them where it's just like. He's cool, like I like his attacks or whatever, but he just kind of, you just kind of hold the square button down and he just like shoots his gun or you could use that overcharge attack, but then you have to sit there and keep tapping it to fucking recharge it and um <clears throat> but I don't know. I've I didn't the last time I played it, I didn't use the uh the strong attack a lot with Cloud, yeah. but I use it all the fucking time now. The one thing that I don't like about it is that when you, no, 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 oh, Punisher mode from operator mode to Punisher mode, yeah. and uh, 
But what's annoying is when you get separated from the enemy, like if it jumps back from you or whatever, and then Cloud's walking like zero miles an hour. He just turns into a tank. And you can't like, so you have to let, so it's like, oh, I got to switch back to fucking operator mode and then run up to the guy and then switch back to Punisher. It's just that part of it. I wish there was a, there was like a lunge or something where you could like get to the enemy. But maybe that's part of the, I mean, maybe that's just part of the balance of the combat. I think it is. I, I will say that I, um, I felt the same way that you feel currently about Barrett, but towards the end of the game, I got this, I have this other gun now. And it's awesome. And then there's a scene. Uh, I won't give away any story spoilers, but you kind of get forced into using Barrett. And uh, there's like rows and rows and rows and rows of boxes you can shoot on the walls. And like it's kind of fun because he's kind of pissed off as a character at that moment, anyways. And yeah, you just you shoot up and you're just like high potion, elixir, high potion, ether, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of fun. You just fucking decimate all these boxes. And um, there's a nice little story segue into that. I think the the developers knew that you were going to be doing that. You don't have to, but, I mean, it just feels good to do it. And then Barrett and Cloud have a conversation later, and he brings it up. And it's like, oh, that's cool, because, like, they're just counting on me doing this. But, yeah, anyways. Hmm. um, All right, cool, man. Well, good. We're both playing the same game. And, uh enjoying it very much so so let's i i have been seeing a lot of positive things about the pixel remasters mm. of the first six games mm-hmm. so i may end up we'll see how i feel after seven but i may jump into four because i've always wanted to play that but okay i don't know we'll see oh i was gonna ask you it wasn't made absolutely clear to me how to get any of the other summons so like i had been using you the VR you have to mission. Do the the VR mission. I didn't realize that. So I had gotten to chapter fourteen with Ifri alone, not realizing that realizing that Shiva and the, the fat chocobo were both options. Um, I, I'm guessing maybe you get an option for another summon later. I don't know. So I did you get the the chocobo and Muggle summon in the fan? In that uh, there's like that thing where you're going to reactor five and you have to like oh i did not no i don't think i got it yeah (laughs) so there's that one wait what is it chocobo it's chocobo and muggle i think is what it's called and muggle okay yeah it's like it's like a chocobo and one of those little muggle characters and they do like a wind attack wait no i do have Um, that because they they call it fat chocobo but i don't i think fat chocobo might be different what so you have to pick those up in order to unlock them. It's they don't just show up with Landley or whatever that kid's name, Chandler or Chandler from Friends. <laughs> uh, you're talking about so the the Chocobo and Moogle materia you find in the world. It's there's like a there's that that part where you're where you're turning off all the the lamps. And you're like on all that scaffolding, and you walk past those fans, and you're like holding on because they want to like blow you off. Yeah. And then there's you see a materia in a fan as you're walking by, and after you turn all the lights off, you have the option to go up in there, and you have to do this like little time trial, and then it opens the door to where that materia is. And uh, yeah, it's um, 
But yeah, if you do the VR missions, I think the first one you get is Shiva and, like you said, Fat Chocobo. Um, Those are the only two that I have. And then there has to be a way for you to get some of the other. Maybe they maybe they'll introduce more summons once the in like the the next two parts or whatever. Yeah. Let's see what summons are available in FF seven. Yeah. So it wasn't just for the listeners know. Like it wasn't made clear to me. Like in the original game, I believe you just kind of unlock them as you play it. In this game, you have to go find this guy and do like with these. VR battle missions and defeat the summon to acquire it, but you don't even have the option to defeat the summon until you pick it up or find it somewhere, it seems. Uh, or are they all available except for special ones? The Well, the, you're talking about the VR missions? Yeah. You have to complete, like, these challenges. These, like, assessment challenges for Chadley. Yeah. And then when you do Chadley. that, it, it, it unlocks... Those particular VR missions. Can you imagine you having a kid naming them Chadley. It's a pretty, pretty fun it's like name. Bradley and Chad. Um, so there's actually quite a few summons: Chocobo and Moogle, Efreet, Shiva, Got that one. Fat Chocobo, Got that one. Leviathan, uh, Cactuar, which I think is the cactus one, mm. and then there's Carbuncle and Chocobo Chick. Jeez, but I'm sure that like. Uh, I've I'm got, sure that like yeah. the the like bah- Bahamut and stuff like that are probably coming in, in like part later. Two oh something. wait, no, you can you can get Bahamut in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Let's not. Anymore. Let's not. Uh, yeah, it's not really important right let's now. Not talk about that right now. But yeah, that is interesting. Um, so interesting. Anyways, let's get into. Some listener feedback. Every episode of PS This Is Awesome, we go in and we look at comments, questions, concerns that you guys lodge either on our YouTube channel or that you uh, write on Patreon or you send us in an email. I just complained last episode about how we're just going to quit using our email. And just I must have manifested this because Sean Roberts wrote and he writes, who's also a patron, um, he says, uh, greeting fellow nerds. I told Fred about this ages ago, but finish my Metal Gear Rex model. I just finished the podcast where you uh, were commenting on getting into Final Fantasy VII Remake with Final Fantasy sixteen coming out in June. A Final Fantasy-specific episode would be cool. So, Jake, real quick on the YouTube channel, I'm going to make you disappear and show everybody what Rex looks like. This is Sean's model, Rex. Ta-da! Looks very nice. Good work on this, Sean. Um, looks absolutely awesome. Uh, I did put a copy of what it looks like in the uh, show notes, Jake, so you can see it. I, model making it takes a certain level of patience, and uh, I uh, I can appreciate the the uh, itiveness that it requires. And then I wrote Sean back, and then I said thanks for you know writing us. And then I said maybe we should hang out next time you're around the area. I know Sean from high school. Um, and he says, uh, funny timing. I just started the next podcast episode and out the gate, you mentioned people don't use your email often. <laughs> so it wasn't that he was playing on our request. He just happened to write us an email. Um, so huh. weird that was manifested. So thanks for writing in Sean. And, uh, yeah, he, he essentially says, you know, with the release of the pixel remasters, he jumped into final fantasy five. He hasn't played it in 20 years. Um, 
But it's just as fun as he remembers. And a tribute to Final Fantasy from 1 through 15 would be cool to hear Jake and I talk about. Now, I haven't played all of those games, so it would be a very, very uh, sparse podcast probably. I've played 7 in War of the Lines from what I can remember. Um, 1 I, through I 15? 10 X. I've played, I've played 6, 7, 9, 10... Did you play 10 too? I played some of it. I never finished Same. it. I can't remember if I played 15 or not. I The problem is, is that after 10, they kind of lost me. Yeah. And just with like the way that the games were made and everything. Like 13 didn't interest me at all. And then 15 just didn't, it definitely didn't interest me at all. But then 7 Remake, I really enjoyed. So I don't know. I, I'm definitely not. <laughs> It would take a long, long time for us to do all of the games, but and I don't even know if that would be all that interesting, but I do definitely intend on going back and playing some of the Pixel remasters because mm-hmm. I know specifically 4 and 6 are two of the best JRPGs ever made in a lot of people's opinions, and so I've played 6, but I'd really like to play 4, so we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah. Big Box writes in on YouTube. He says, hey, I have a question for you two regarding the Firewalk GAAS talk you had this week. Um, David Jaffe, uh, Twisted Metal God of War, has a podcast where he repeatedly states GAAS, live service success. Games as a service, for those who don't know what that is. Um, Live service success is a quote-unquote complete crapshoot. And it's like capturing, quote-unquote, lightning in a bottle. He goes on. He goes a little doom and gloom regarding PlayStation's 12 live service games gamble. As those who don't know, PlayStation is working on a lot of games of a service game, games as a service games. And he says, where do you guys land on this? I kind of see this sentiment a lot online, and I'm always like, quote, well, Blizzard has kind of a long track record of capturing lightning in a bottle, end quote. And I think that this... All drums up like, and I tried to write Big Box back and explain like, as a musician in the industry, we hear this a lot, right place, right time. But it's like it takes something to get yourself to the point where you are somehow in the right place at the right time, right? It it usually isn't all fucking luck. Um, there, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of making sure the product that you're making is good. There's a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak. Um, I would imagine this applies with most things. Um, and, you know, success is never guaranteed. But there is a way of tipping the odds in your favor. So, I mean, obviously, if you go into making a live service game and it's garbage, you're never going to get a right place, right time with that. Because it has to be good. Or else people just, you're never, no one's going to be like, oh, this fucking game is it. This is fucking it. You know, it has to be a good fucking game. So um, that's the first criteria. The second criteria is, is that you I feel like you kind of have to do something a little different or kind of be ahead of the curve. Like they, you always hear the, uh, people talking about people making games in a void or people, you know, they're in this echo tunnel or they're just making something now. Like you start a game right now 
Um, I don't even know what's big right now, to be honest. Like, I don't know. You, you work on like a clone of a game that's really success, successful, right? You try to put your own twist on it. And this has come out for fucking five years. Well, you know, that trend has come and gone. So there's a little bit of looking into trend, I think, and trying to predict what's going to be fucking big because these games aren't made overnight. So not only do you have to make a good game, not only do you have to have probably a good pedigree and good standing with your with video gamers, and uh, I think you also have to kind of be at the front of that that trend, what, whatever it's going to be. That's my input. And then lightning has to strike, and you got to have the right promotion. You got to have the right people talking about it. You got to have enough just genuine interest that it gets lifted into that next echelon that they're trying to find. Um, I don't think it's a complete crapshoot. I think it can feel like a complete crapshoot, just like being a good musician can feel like a complete crapshoot or being Drew Maggi being a complete crapshoot. He had no fucking clue he was going to get called up and actually get to play in the big leagues. To him, that's all he wanted. He got it, right? But but it took him 13 fucking years and 1,200 baseball games to get there and working shitty jobs on the side. So... If you stick with something long enough, um, to anyone who doesn't know the story, right place, right time. Drew gets called up, gets to play big leagues for two two days. Good for that guy. You know, no, so much more to that fucking story. And there's so much more to a lot of stories like this that look like right place, right time or lightning in a bottle. I think there's more to it. And it's, it's easy to summarize this kind of thing with uh, an anecdotal kind of uh, cliche statement like that or whatever but i don't know that's my opinion on it jake um so i have a couple of thoughts on this one is that blizzard there they have a deep-seated fan base that is rooted in the creation of games that are not live service so they became famous because of stuff like Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, um, <clears throat> and those games, while they had multiplayer components, they're not live service games. They're games that you can just play by yourself or whatever. They're not constantly filling it with microtransactions and all that stuff. Uh and they've kind of slowly integrated live service elements into their games. But, you know, I would say arguably maybe Diablo 3 was the first. And even Diablo 3 isn't really a live service game because there's no, like... What about World of real... Warcraft? World of Warcraft was is an MMO. I would consider that a... Definitely a completely. That's that's like a different vertical. That's like a different vertical of live service because that's not. When people think of live service, they don't think of like a full on fucking service based game. They're thinking of like, okay, well, this is a game that is mostly on mostly online, but it's full of microtransactions. Now those lines are starting to blur, but it's not like a massively multiplayer affair like MMOs are. <clears throat> so. Anyway, so they have that history, which means that they already have goodwill and people that like their games and want to play their games and might be willing to overlook the live service elements of their games to be able to play it. Now, you could argue that, well, they came out with Overwatch, which is uh, their shooter, which that was completely different, and people liked that. People loved it, yeah. But... 
Overwatch 2 just came out and it's kind of meh <coughs> receptively. So like even even Blizzard, <clears throat> I'm not going to say Overwatch 2 is a dud, but people are just kind of like eh about Overwatch 2 compared to the reception of Overwatch 1 and they're kind of sort of pushed for the hero shooter. And the other thing that you need to realize is that Microsoft, <clears throat> sorry, not Microsoft, Sony's making 10 or 12 of these live service games. And the problem is that live service games generally command a lot of your time. And so most people, they have a live service game, maybe two, that they play outside of their regular games. So you can't sit here and tell me that if all 10 or 12 of these games are full-on fucking Destiny-style live service games <laughs> that have content updated constantly and all this stuff, one person is not playing all of those games. So the fact that Sony is making 10 of these or 12 of these tells me that it is a fucking crapshoot. And they are literally going to send eight of these games out to die because if just one of them hits, they are rolling in fucking money yeah. because of the way that these live service games generate revenue. So, you know, you think about Destiny and how that game – yeah, they've updated it and added content or whatever, but Destiny 2's been out for years now. And it still just sits there and prints fucking money. Yeah. And you think about something like Fortnite, a game like, yeah, they do some updates and stuff to it, but it's, you know, like it's been out for years and years and they just put a first person mode into it, which is like a staple of Battle Royale games, but that game just prints fucking money. So I think I, I heard somewhere in the neighborhood of like, it makes like more than $10 billion a year or something like that. Something fucking stupid. And so Sony is because there's no way. The only way that I could see this. Yeah. Okay. Obviously they intend for all of these games to hit, but they know that they're, they're kind of doing the scattershot right. technique with these. And, because they know that they just need one to hit. And the other thing, too, that you need to think about is that the studios that are doing it, how many of them actually have live service experience? I mean, Bungie is the only team that Sony owns, and it's not even part of the PlayStation Studios family, but they do have access to those resources. Yeah. Bungie is the only team that they own that has made a successful live service game. And so I... So you and I, I both know. agree I mean, that it's going to it's going to take more than just throwing these things out into the world. Like they they better be fucking good though, right? Like you can't just make a game and call it live service and put your brand on it and if it's a bunch of shit expected to catch on. That's I would argue that a lot of these games will be good and still fail. Oh, for sure. That's because, where that because, and, and that's where right place right time is easy to say. But these studios better have a, you know, some of them are probably studios we've never heard of. So I would, I would, I would expect that if there are studios who have a pedigree, those games will start rising to the top much quicker than the ones that we've never heard of. That would be my prediction, um, just because of their baked-in fan base. You never know. I mean, you might get lucky, get get a game out there like Among Us or something like that, <laughs> and. It, where it's like a, a small indie team or, or even like um, 
they've hit in the past with things like now Sony didn't make Rocket League, but they yeah. promoted it heavily on PS Plus. Yeah, you need promotion. And it sure. kind of got that game sort of out there. But I just I mean, just think think off the top of your head how many games, how many lives like true live service games, not not regular games that have live service elements, like like Ubisoft, for example, Immortals Phoenix Rising has a store where you can you can use microtransactions to to buy like cosmetics and things like that. But that's not a live service game. It just has some of those elements in it. I'm talking games like fucking Destiny, Fortnite, The Division. How many like literally those three games are the only ones I can think of that have actually succeeded in being like wildly popular. And I would even argue that The Division is kind of like it's successful, but it's not on the same echelon as Destiny or, uh, um, you know, Warzone or fucking Fortnite. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I think, like I said, I think <clears throat> when people say that it's a crapshoot, that it's lightning in a bottle, that it's all of this, what it boils down to is right place, right time. You've got to get the zeitgeist and you've got to ride the wave because if you come out like think about – this is not live service content, but think about Horizon Forbidden West. That game came out and it was fucking awesome. But it launched right around when Elden Ring launched, which right. was a cultural phenomenon. So Horizon kind of got – it sold well and, and everything, but like like uh, commercially kind of got in sort of zeitgeist-wise, kind of got swept under the rug because of – it just happened to launch next to the biggest game in years. So that's what I'm, that's all I'm getting at. I mean, I guess kind of long winded response, but I, uh, I mean, I, I could be completely, I could be completely wrong about this. I don't think that it's all, you know, Jaffe does have a kind of a tendency to be a little bit doom and gloom. He's got kind of a rough demeanor, but like, <laughs> uh, but, uh, at the same time, PlayStation, I, I don't see the business strategy in going from doing nothing but single-player focused games to all the sudden half of the games you have in development are live service. It's like what this tells me is that they're just trying to catch a trend. Not not like – and I'm not saying that they're not also going to try to make, make uh, good games. Right. But – I will reserve like final judgment until we see some of these games, though, because we don't know what any of them are. We can assume one of them is factions. That's the only one that we know. Well, Vision Heartland, right? Would that be one? No, that's Ubisoft. That's not Sony's game, right? That's Ubisoft. It's true. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that there's I, there there's there's no uh, instruction booklet on how to make one of these games hit, but I I still firmly believe that you got to have. A great team, and you got to have a good fucking game, and you have to time the release, and you got to promote it right, and you got to do all these things, and then fucking hope, hope, hope on hope that uh, it fucking catches on. Um, hope your servers don't fucking crash at launch. You know, right. like all this stuff. There's so many things that go into it. I yeah. But um, and to be clear, I'm not anti live service game. I actually love Destiny. I've talked about it a bit on the show. Um, they're not all for me. But it's like it's all I can do 
to even play Destiny because there's just so much added content, extra shit. It's hard to jump in and know what's going on. It's a constantly evolving world. They sunset a lot of stuff that is relevant to the story. Like, so that alone can be a challenge in terms of yeah. getting people in. So unless you can come up with a game like a Fortnite that is just wildly popular with all the fucking flossing elementary school kids out there, you know, who knows? I mean, I hope they're successful, though. Here, uh, I pulled up, just just for the sake of this quick um, listener feedback, uh, the top 13 live service games ranked by Gamer Rant. To give you an idea, this was in 2021. Um, just to give you an idea of some of the games that they they are classifying as games of service and where they might stand among others. Um, there's only one on here by Blizzard, and we already covered that. Uh, Warframe, number 13. Dota oh, 2, yeah, forgot about that. number 12. Grand Theft Auto Online, I guess, is now considered a games of service. I guess it would be. Yeah. Um, number 11, Path of Exile, which is a Diablo-esque kind of game. Um, number 10, uh, Call of Duty Warzone, for sure, is another one. Uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive at number 8. It's not a fucking live service game. Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, Yes, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what are they? I I guess everything is a live service game if they update it regularly. Right. So, okay, sure. Overwatch, number six. Um, They got League of Legends is five. My brother loves League of Legends. Destiny 2 is number four. Final Fantasy 14, A Realm Reborn, number three. Number two, they have Fortnite, and number one, they have Apex Legends. That was one that took off. I forgot about that one completely. That 100% is a games of service. Yeah, so, but you're talking those, you know, those games. They release fucking yearly content, you know, new maps, new characters, skins. I guess... I guess this is why we need to see the games because if that is the definition of live service, I would have I would have not I would not this have is classified Final Fantasy fourteen as a live service game because it's a full on MMO. But that was also I, gamer rant, so Yeah, so I, I don't really know. I mean I'm hope maybe it's just that they've got a, a wide breadth of games and they all have variations on the live service theme. Some of them might be more multiplayer than others. Some of them might just have a microtransactions or whatever. I don't know. I, I guess we just need to see them. Yeah. Um, Let us wait and see. But that's 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 a good point because a lot of those games are, you know, I, I always forget about those more like uh, shootery ones, right? You know, and I guess technically you could you could say that's true. The Battle Royale Dan games, yeah. Because like to me, it's like okay, well then. Can you say that Call of Duty, not Warzone, but basic Call of Duty is a live service game? Because they're always adding maps and but I don't know, like, do you, guns and yeah, skins I guess you and shit like that. Cause, cause I don't know. Yeah, where fucking, the fuck is the line drawn, right? That's the question. Like, wh- Where's the delineation it, between uh, a non-games of service and a games of service? What is the requirement? How many items do you have to roll out per given fiscal quarter you know, to make it considered a games or games as services considered free games that you don't purchase. That wouldn't be true because Destiny Two, I believe, you still have to purchase. Um, you don't get Destiny Two is technically the base game is technically free, but in order to like really play anything, Grand Theft Auto Online isn't free. 
So, no. I mean, like, what? what is the fucking lot? Like, what's the definition, I guess, that, that yeah, we're like all counter, falling like on? Counter-Strike, I would never consider a... A game like that. I, I don't know. I mean, we've been going on. Yeah, let's go to the forever. next comment. I guess. The, I guess the, the to answer your question, Big Box. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking out our ass up here. Yeah. Uh, and and if we knew, we we wouldn't be hosting this podcast. We'd be like directing the next game of, games of service game. Like if we knew how to make one of these games big, I, I think it's it's a it's a multitude of variables. Um, great question though. Uh, J1 writes in. Nice to see you, J1. He goes, hey, guys, J1 here. I'm a guy because I was like, I don't know if J1's a guy or girl. Um, and I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. But now now we know how to address him. Uh, I'm a guy. Thanks for the feedback about the new Sony PlayStation handheld untitled name. Um, the reason why I said 400 bucks is because I think they're going to have a, two different versions of them. One is probably $400 or under 400 digital version with less gigabytes. Second is $400 or under 400 digital version with more gigabytes. Something tells me that it'll be over 400, but I hope not. But if, if it is, then yikes. Hope your bathroom's fixed, Mr. Fred Oakman. Glad you're feeling better, Mr. Jake Peters. So I wrote Big Box back, or uh, J1 back, and I said, I don't know that memory's even going to be a thing with these because if they're going to be streaming them all, um, they might have one that is capable of doing more, maybe. Like they, they, that's, that's, in my opinion, where they kind of fucked things up with the Vita. They had different SKUs of it. Um, it was like, I mean, if they were smart, they would make a version of it that could that could. De- Let's say it's like eighty percent streaming, but mm-hmm. it also had some onboard memory, so you could maybe load on Vita games or PSP games and play those if you wanted to, or something like that. Yeah, like, that would be cool as shit. But they're never going to do that, right? So it's I- either going to be full on handheld, or it's going to be just a little streaming device like the. You know, like the G, the Logitech G Cloud, or or something like that. Yeah, I, so I don't know. It, we'll have to see, but I, yeah, four hundred dollars is crazy. I advise I mean, this you might to be the temper your expectations. If it's four hundred bucks, if it's four hundred bucks, and depending on what it is, this might be the first like PlayStation thing that I just decide I'm not buying. Yeah. I'm not paying for it. Because I, I love the idea of it, but not for four hundred fucking dollars. Yeah. No. So unless it unless they're like, oh, it's like Vita two then I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll have to. Thanks see. for writing in, J one. Played by Ken writes in about our video game wakes conversation from last episode, and then we'll get on with the news. He said the wake thing is totally bonkers. <laughs> Maybe a Fall Guys wake or a PUBG wake would spice things up. All your friends battle it out until one remains and claims everything on your will. Personally, I'd be happy <laughs> sending everyone to a good old-fashioned arcade for a wake. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That would be kind of cool. Um, all of a sudden, they get like airdropped into like you know like a Call of Duty Modern Warzone situation where they have to like obliterate each other, and then the last one standing gets all your belongings, <laughs> which is like for me would. Nothing. <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But thanks for writing in, play by Ken. Always nice to hear from you. Let's get in with the news. Um, the first news point is something I don't think we've covered yet. But the the PlayStation Plus games. Oh man, my freaking pen quit writing. Um, games were announced for the month of May. Uh, we are getting Grid Legends, Chivalry 2, and Descenders, which is a cycling roguelite kind of game. Um, not really stoked on any of this, but that's fine. I've got so many games I need to play anyways. I don't really even care about this this month's offering. Although the month of May is my birthday month, so I was hoping for something like awesome. 
but it didn't happen. That's okay. It's okay. Jake, any opinions on these games? No, I've heard some pretty good things about that Chivalry 2 game. Uh, I don't know if it's for me or not, but mm. it seems kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, just like a you know medieval style fighting, not fighting game, but like a battle game. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't really know. Might be worth checking out, but other than that, I'm kind of like, meh. That's fair. That's fair. Next news point. Cruising through the news, we found out that Horizon Forbidden West DLC Burning Shores was review bombed on Metacritic. Surprise, sir! Fucking prize. This always happens. Um, it uh, had a 2.8 rating, even after ha- being critically averaged around an eight of ten. And due to the this fandom. Um, Fandom is the company who owns Metacritic. They released a public statement that they're going to change their processes and tools to introduce stricter moderation in the coming months for review bombing, for reviews in general. And then a site I've recently learned about is called Open Critic and uh, Forbidden Burning Shores. Uh, Forbidden West, sorry, Burning Shores DLC is an 81 out of 100 on there. Not to mention... Um, the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor game, which we didn't really talk about, we did mention it got released last week, um, is, is sitting at an 86 on Open Critic and has really impressed a lot of people. This is a game I don't know that I'll ever get to. I haven't played the first one. So uh, I hear it's really, really good, though. Hmm. Jake, anything? Yeah, I, I played the first I played the first uh, Jedi Fallen Order game, and I really liked it. I'm not... I didn't really – I wasn't really attached to the main character at all, but I liked his little robot friend and I enjoyed the gameplay a lot. It's a little bit harder than I expected it to be. Uh, more, It had some kind of Souls-esque tendencies, not like that kind of crazy hard, but yeah. it had like these – where you kind of had to learn the combat a little bit. It's not like you could just run through and smash the fucking slash button. And uh, so, I don't know. I'll probably check it out at some point, but I don't know if I'm going to go ahead and... I think whenever I played Jedi Fallen Order, I waited until it was on EA Play, and then I subscribed for a month for $5, played it, and then unsubscribed. Yeah. So, if I might do the same thing for Jedi Survivor, just because... I don't know. It really depends. Maybe the, the the itch will hit me and I'll jump right into it. But I've really – my interest in – I've always been a big Star Wars fan, but my interest has really fallen off in the past few years. And so I'm really having t- trouble dragging myself back into it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's it's looking like it's doing well though. So so props to that. And uh, th- this next one is, is really something we've intentionally avoided for a while just because it became old news – all the time, but this Activision buyout that Microsoft is doing, um, apparently that deal was recently blocked by the UK, um, and there was some kind of this. What's interesting is, is if if the deal essentially is doesn't happen, which apparently is where this is going, uh, there's a, some sort of three billion dollar breakup fee. That Activision just automatically is entitled to get from Microsoft. If this doesn't go through, they still get three billion dollars. Apparently, yeah. Bobby Kotick was like, uh, it was kind of like reserved about talking about it and stuff. But 
apparently it's a fucking thing. So good on you, Activision, for fucking going through this and getting $3 billion just for being agreeable to getting billions more. <laughs> like It's like, hey, it's like, hey, Jake, I'll give you $25 billion today um, if they let me do it. And if they don't let me do it, I'll give you $3 billion. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Like, like why the fuck would you say no to this? It's just like free yeah. fucking money, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that the the deal will probably end up still going through. But it's, uh, it is interesting to see. I don't know. I say that. I'm just fucking talking. Yeah, they said they were going to maybe appeal it. I'm not it. really interested at all in this. They said they were maybe going to appeal it, Microsoft. Uh, they said they definitely would. But uh, per what the internet's saying is like the chance of their appeal actually going through and being overturned, like not being overturned um, or dismissed rather, sorry, Jesus, uh, is so likely that, that whatever has been decided is is what what it's at, what it's doing. Like it, it really truly looks based on what I've read that this thing's not going to happen now. Um, so that's, it's kind of news. Uh, but yeah, I, it's interesting. And I don't, I wonder how much of this involved Sony's interference. You know what I mean? Like, or if this would have just been the way it went regardless, I think if it does get blocked, fucking good on Sony for doing what they did. I mean, I, I really didn't think, that this had a chance in hell of getting blocked because you know money talks, but I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they might just end up, you know, it just might mean that you know Microsoft has to pay more lawyers and pay more money to the U to the UK to get it going through and all this stuff, and then they just do it and they're like, okay, well, fine. Well, they said they're going to pull their funding to the UK. Like Microsoft was like, listen, if you don't let this fucking they, – they got like pissed off and they were like, listen, if, if you block this, we're not we're, – we're pulling money out of the UK. And, and it's like they're like using like fucking tactical like uh, rebuttals now. I was going to say it sounds like they're, uh, they're like extorting them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least threats of extortion. Interesting. That's wild. It is wild. All right, let's move on to the next one, man. This is awesome. Uh, Layers of Fear, a game I didn't play, but you guys know I like my horror games around uh, fall, the fall time, and I think our, our listener Sean likes to play horror games as well. Layers of Fear, um, oh, it was coming out on PS5, and uh, it's getting a huge facelift through the Unreal Engine 5. Um, this game looks absolutely astonishing now. This Unreal Engine 5 shit is making games look fucking bonkers good. Like, yeah. ridiculously good. So, I don't know if good graphics is enough for me to get pulled into all these games that are going to be coming out on Unreal Engine 5. But, Jesus, it, it, it's going to make it a lot nicer. Um, man, it looks fantastic. So, if, if you're looking to play some horror games this fall... Um, Maybe hang 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 on a little bit. I don't know when this is coming out, but it this facelift looks amazing, and I don't know if the game did well or not, but um, it uh, looks awesome. So I wonder how many more of these we're gonna see. Like not layers of fear, but just games getting like an Unreal Engine five facelift. Like how easy is it to do? Like Unreal Engine five seems like it's really easy to develop in. So I mean, are we gonna see like a ton of reworked games? 
Well, it depends if the if the game was previously developed in Unreal Engine, it's probably easy to port it to version five and then you know maybe update some. I don't want to say easy, but like they could. It's probably reasonable to do it, and then they can convert a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But if it was made in like fucking Unity or something, it might not be easy for them to just take it over. You know what I mean? Right. Without like redoing a lot of things, so. I don't know. So far, everything that I've seen with UE5 is pretty impressive. So we'll have to see kind of how things shape up over the next year or two, what else we kind of get with it. But it seems like we're going to be getting some getting some, uh, some pretty impressive-looking games just with regard to lighting and all kinds of stuff that it seems like UE5 can do that is just incredibly impressive. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I agree. I'm excited to see what the future holds. And uh, a PlayStation-specific, well, that was too, but very specific, uh, involving a PlayStation IP. Um, and uh, news point is is we finally, finally get to see the uh, Twisted Metal TV teaser trailer for the TV show. And, uh, yeah, it looks campy. I uh, kind of expected this. Um, does it look well made? Yes, it looks well shot. Uh, it features Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon from the Avengers movie, um, as one of the main leads. And, uh, I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm not sure what the story beats are gonna be here, but it looks like post-apocalyptic. Either that or this is some sort of biodome they're all in. I mean, it looks like some Mad Max shit. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't... Like, there's really not a whole lot in this trailer. Do? Yeah. This teaser. Get some visuals, it, though. So. But it's cool that it's coming in a couple of months. You know, I don't want to fucking subscribe to Paramount or Peacock or whatever the hell this fucking show is on. But uh, I'll be anxious to see what the outcome is. And if it seems like people really like it, maybe I'll jump on for, like two days so that I can watch it, but I don't know. I'm not as excited for this as I was for The Last of Us, but I'm hoping that it will be good. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I I have zero expectations. I have a lot of these stupid subscription services, so for video watching, most of them are free trials that are still going on, but I'll, uh... I'll probably check it out. You know, I we're definitely not going to do a podcast on it, um, but we'll, I'll check it out. We can talk about... I mean, we're going to do a podcast-specific like we did with Last of Us for this, but it it uh, looks yeah. pretty cool. You guys can watch the trailer on YouTube. I think it looks I think it looks kind of cool. Um, all right, next one is Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon gets a trailer and a release window. I believe uh, release date August twenty fifth. Um, this is coming from the Elden Ring developer um, and. Uh, the graphics look good, but I mean, I I can't begin to reiterate these. Some of these mech games, like th- the way the mech moves and stuff, it just seems so blocky and choppy, and like because it, it doesn't have fucking legs that go like this. It's like on wheels, so it just skids around. Um, I I get that that is the heart of Armored Core. There's just something that I feel like watching it. It looks like it can control. It controls weird. Just based on watching it, it probably doesn't. But it, the graphics it looks look like great. it looks it looks like a Japanese mech game. 
I don't really know what else to say about it. I I am definitely interested in it, but I want to see some more. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It looks good. Um, do not expect an Elden Ring style game with this. They they clearly are sticking to the franchise's uh, lineage in in history. There, um, you can watch the trailer on YouTube. Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon, August twenty fifth. Um, next point of news, which is fucking got me stoked is all hell. Um, quick side story, Mr. Mike Fritz, the guy who did the artwork for my gasoline heart. And he also is doing the album artwork for the one of my land record as a, uh, I guess what, what you would call it would be a, uh, uh, sir, like for services, like I, we were trading, skills he has an aliens uh board games board game that he plays uh, he hasn't really played it yet but he has a fucking tv that he could laid it flat and he built this table around it and he's using like a usb thumb drive to create the fucking board um and uh, the map and stuff and he's gonna have this huge blowout aliens thing over a weekend and uh he said in exchange for the artwork um if I could print him some minis to go with this game, uh, perfect. So I'm all in. I'm printing these space truckers and shit right now. Uh, I'm all in on Aliens right now. I'm kind of like lost in the weeds a little bit. It's not my favorite franchise. I've got this little guy here that came in like a loot crate. It's like a, a Xeno, Xenophage or Xenomorph or whatever, stabbing some dude through the chest from one of the movies. Um, sitting at my computer desk. But... Uh, this game, this game right here, Aliens, Dark Descent, gets a trailer where we can see some gameplay. It's a real-time tactical game. It looks like XCOM, but way fucking better graphics and probably stress levels and, like, fucking whatever. Apparently, it tells a new single-player story based in the Alien world. Um, pre-orders are up, and it's got a really nice price tag of $39. Uh... This is on my to-buy list. If you look at this game, did you watch this trailer? It looks, look at some of the gameplay. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks amazing. Um, yeah, looks awesome. Looks so good. Ah, I can't wait. I don't know what the release, what's the release? If the pre-order's up, I don't know what the release date is for this. June 20th, it looks like. Whoa, that's coming up. Yep, first. All right, that one's on my list because I'm just dying for a game like this. Um, I didn't get that latest XCOM game because it never came to console. Uh, I talk about that on like every other fucking podcast. The Chimera Wars or whatever I want to fucking play. Chimera Squad. Yeah, Chimera yeah. Squad. All right. And then uh, we got two more news points, and then we'll t- uh, talk about the brief list of new games coming out, and then we'll wrap things up for today. Um, flashback to an, oh, flashback, an old classic PC game I played as a kid. It was very difficult. I always kicked my ass. Uh, it was getting a sequel. We already talked about the sequel being announced and all that stuff on a previous show, but they've now announced that this game will be release, releasing in November of this year. It looks really, really nice. Um, it looks looks like how I remember the old game. And uh, whether I buy this or not, I don't know, but it's a cool-looking game. You, you In Flashback 1, you just play this dude in jeans and like a fucking leather jacket, and you just fucking walk around and like shoot. Thing. I don't know what the story was. I can't remember if it involved time travel or, or what it did, but... Um, the game was really cool on PC, and it looks just like I remember it, except obviously it 
obviously is looking better now than it ever has. But uh, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. Is it, is it like a twin stick shooter almost, kind of? Or I mean, no, I'm no at the it, gameplay of the. Well, this is I'm looking at the gameplay of the sequel. Yeah, it doesn't look it to me. It it looks. I mean, I remember in Flashback, there was a button that you pushed one time to crouch, and he'd stay crouched, and then you'd push it again, and he'd stand up. Uh, you could jump, and uh, you could shoot, and you're... It was very skill-based. Like, if you got shot once or twice, like, you died. Like, it was game over. Like, it was, like, very skill-based. Almost like Hotline Miami in a way, but, like, less fast-paced and, like, more realistic graphics. Um so I don't know, in in more of a side scroller than being like a top down thing. I I I think this game might actually find a find an audience. I don't know. It looks cool. I'm watching a trailer for the original game. It looks fucking wild. Yeah, it was really cool in its time. Yeah, the graphics were really huh. good for its time. I don't remember. I mean, I remember it looking really good, but it probably looks like balls looking back at it. But I remember it looking awesome. Um, yeah. All right, so Flashback 2, uh, November 2023 on PS5 and PS4. Um, and then lastly, this is kind of a weird weird news point. Um, not surprising at all. Uh, Ready at Dawn, the studio who made the Order 1886, was acquired by Meta in 2020, which is Facebook. Um, and just recently, Zuckerberg laid off one-third of the studio. So you have like these people who know what they're doing and the order 1886 to be clear wasn't received well because it felt like a movie but the graphics and the style and the uh setting and the the world building was all fantastic in this game. Now I don't know what else Ready at Dawn has done but whatever they were doing uh for Facebook or Meta whatever you want to call it um apparently didn't justify one third of the studio staying employed. So um, Zuckerberg lays him off. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of money, so I understand why he would do such a thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're really, yeah, it's such a tragic it. story, Ready at Dawn, you know, because like Sony was pushing the shit out of the 1886 and it just kind of flopped. And uh, I really wanted to see a sequel of this game. Um, you know, looking at it. Yeah, it sucks now. because the game, like, if they had just fixed up the gameplay a little bit, I mean, the gameplay was fine, but, like, it was really short. They spent all this time on the technology and they forgot to kind of make a game. And, yeah. uh, and I wish that they kind of made a sequel because I honestly kind of liked it. I, I'm not going to sit here and say it was really <laughs> good, but it was like. It's like it, a bad tasting pizza that, that you kind of like. But I mean, the, like the graphics and the story and everything were fucking awesome. Right, right. And then, like, yeah, it was just kind of the gameplay was just kind of meh, mm. and it was really short. And I don't know. Yes, sir. But yeah, it's, it sucks for them. Hopefully, they bounce back. I know they've been doing a lot of VR stuff now mm. for Meta or whatever, mm -hmm. and maybe they're just not producing. I don't know, but I think that this is going to be something. Probably just with the way the economy's going, it's going to be something that's going to happen more and more. Yeah, it's just like people getting laid off, which is unfortunate. But hopefully, those guys bounce back and uh, they can uh, get back to making games here soon. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens, and uh, so that's it for the news. 
ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we're moving into new games real quick. Uh, this was Did you what, see real, real yeah. quick before you yeah. start that? Did you see that um, they're going to start send they're going to start stocking PSVR two at retailers? So like now you can only buy PSVR two from fucking Sony's digital store. They're going to stop stocking store. it at retailers. No, no, they're going to start. They never stop. You could never buy PSVR two anywhere but Sony's digital store, store. online. Right, right. But now they're going to start putting them in actual brick-and-mortar stores, which is or, – or, or at least online retailers like Amazon and stuff like that. And I think that that will hopefully help increase the sales of VR too. But that, that's really all I had to say. I just thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. I missed that news point. Uh, I mean that could also explain maybe why the soft launch happened. I mean there's so much to be said about just walking through an aisle and seeing some shit. You know what I mean? Like you and I are dialed yeah, into – definitely. PlayStation and podcast and like uh, PlayStation and podcast. We're dialed into PlayStation and video games, um, but uh, a lot of our listeners probably are as well to a degree. But I mean, your average person walking through the store shelves. I mean, most people probably don't even fucking know this thing exists. You know, um, so maybe we'll see some increase yeah, in wild. sales. So that is weird that they they opt option not to have it in stores at least or distributors for you know that's really weird um till, till recently so all right very good new games coming out this week uh the list is three games long um push square we get our list from them and i know we've had listeners suggest other sites and i have not had much luck looking at these other sites with how to get a new list of new games coming out so we're just going to touch on these three and then close things out. May 2nd, Age of Wonders 4 on the PS5. May 5th, Death of Treat on PS5. And then Hogwarts Legacy finally gets a release on the PS4. I hope it goes well. Who fucking knows? Um, it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Jake, anything on any of those games? I am waiting with bated breath to see what Hogwarts Legacy looks like on PS4. Because there are sections where it kind of chugs a little on PS5. Yeah. So, I don't know. But other than that, and I, I hope it's good. I hope the port's good just for the PS4 players because it is a really great game. But uh, that's, I guess, all I really have to say Touché. about that. Touche, man. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for listening to this podcast. This has been episode 274 of PS This Is Awesome. We do this every week. If you've enjoyed the content, if you've enjoyed the conversation, and you want to be part of it, you can write us at psthisisawesome at gmail.com. And you can also leave a comment on this YouTube video or send us a comment on Patreon. Uh, go over there and um, sign up and be a one and only $1 club member, and we'll get you a free sticker. And uh, it goes a long ways. It's never expected. It's always appreciated, though, if you got it, and you can spare a buck a month. Uh, it helps us. Um, that aside, I don't really have anything else to say. I want you guys all to enjoy uh, May. May is right around the corner here. So uh, enjoy coming into May. Hope you guys are uh, playing some good games and getting some outdoor time in because uh, Lord knows I need to get outside and get some sun on me. So, Jake, do you have anything you'd like to say before we shut things down? Uh, nope. I don't think so. I'm going to leave this podcast and go lay down on the couch because I'm fucking tired. <laughs> so, 
All right. So Jake's tired, yeah. and uh, we're going to be fair. The weather's kind of shitty here today, so it's it, not like there's really a whole lot I can do. Fucking raining. Yeah, it's been raining for like it feels like a week. All right. So thank you guys again. We'll see you next week. Like Infernax, Injustice, and Infamous. P.S. P.S. This is this awesome. This is awesome.